0: Welcome to the Boot Room Podcast with me, Jamie Home. As I said in last week's podcast, we had planned to get all the lads back together this week, but Christy is moving to Kentucky today to start his new role and is currently on a flight. Um, So unfortunately, he can't make it, but I'm delighted to say that Al is now back with us. He's been a busy man. He's been moving house, launching an app, had a family holiday. So Al, you've been a very busy man, mate. How are
1: you? I'm very good, mate. Thanks. Yourself?
0: Good, all good. Uh, it's been a while. It's been, and we've had we've had lots of people asking where you are, so everyone's gonna be delighted, including my mum. She she loves it when you're on the podcast, mate, so she'll oh. be delighted you're back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and with a new headset as well, I'll I'll make sure that I post the picture of you in your oh. new gear.
1: It's incredible, mate, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. I've gone on another level now with the headsets.
0: <laughs> That's it, mate. There's no stopping us now. How's uh how's the house move gone? The, the house looks amazing. You must be delighted.
1: No, we yeah, are, yeah. It's been um... Uh, My mum and dad. I've got a, a lot to thank our mum and dad for. To be honest, because we went to grove for two weeks and uh, said to our mum and dad that, that that's the only time we can get the removal firm in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they did it all for
0: hospital pass. Yeah, hospital yeah. pass, and then you come back to your lovely new yeah. gaff.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, it's gone well, mate. Just you know, you know what it's like. Just getting a little bits and uh, pieces. So it's Wi-Fi. It's the most, You know, the kids are like has to have Wi-Fi, and I have to have Sky, and then we're all right.
0: Yeah, the important bit, yeah. Once you get yeah. those, out the way, Everything's good. Well, to be honest, I've been on it here about the Wi-Fi as well, so I'm yeah. absolutely delighted that we got that sorted. Yeah. Uh, and the holiday, where did you say you were in John O'Groats?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we were supposed to be going to Dubai, but obviously with the virus and the pandemic and all of that, uh, we just, for some reason, we missed it, just said, let's go to John O'Groats, and lovely place, 12-hour drive, that was an absolute killer, it's a killer
0: with Frankie in the back as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was just good to go. to be (laughs) fair to him on the way there, but it was just on the way back. We just said, right, I'm not doing that. So we split it up. We drove five hours to Edinburgh, spent a night in Edinburgh, and then head back home.
0: Lovely. So then you, now you're back and you've got a, a new app out. It's all, it's all business now, mate. You're flying. So you, you, I should be getting tech advice off you now at this stage, shouldn't I?
1: I don't know, Pop, down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Still going to for, wake me up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for the For those uh, first-time listeners, because we've had a, a lot as you can imagine, with, with Christy and his new job, we've got a, a load of uh, new listeners in America. It probably, we've been doing this podcast now for pr- pr- over a year um, and it probably took me, the first three months to get Al to turn his laptop on. So now to go full, full circle, you've got a new headset, you, you've got a, a new business with an app that you've now released. So, yeah. yeah, it's been some journey we've been on, isn't
1: it? It is, mate. I'm dread to think what's happening next year. I know, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so, so we come to the football, because it's been a while, and, and, and yeah. to be honest, uh, you know, me and you, are, for, for those that don't know, are avid Liverpool fans and usually Christy tends to be the voice of reason between the two of us. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a feeling <laughs> that, that we, uh, we, we won't be tamed in this podcast yet. We'll make the most of it. But I, the one place that I did want to start, and I suppose there's only really one place we can start, and that's with the Champions League final. So first and foremost, what did you make of the game and, and who did you fancy going into
1: it? I've thought I, I thought Bayern Munich, but then as it was getting close to the kickoff, I was thinking because I thought Leon really really caused major troubles for uh, Bayern Munich, and I thought the high line, and I thought, do you know what? And I know he's a fantastic young player, uh, the young left back, the Canadian boy Davis, is it? Devante. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Davies. Yeah. I know he's a fantastic player, but I just think that he, if you targeted him offensively, I think you could get a, a hell of a lot of you know joy, and what. What amazed me was the fact that Mbappe, who's possibly the probably well, probably is the the greatest young talent out there, I thought that he would put he targeted the space where Davis leaves, and I was mm-hmm. kind of, and that that swung it for me. I thought I think PSG'll do them. I think they'll do them. But as a game on a whole, I was I was slightly disappointed if I'm being honest.
0: In in that you didn't think there was enough enough chances that the the teams were sort of playing within themselves. that They were a little bit
1: nervous. <laughs> No, I mean, it, I, I expected more from Paris Saint-Germain. I just thought, I don't know, I don't know whether they just, you know. They, I know they had a couple of chances. I just thought he did. Me sitting there, I had to put Mbappé Bappy on on the young left back all day and just said, "You just play as high, just stretch him, as just can, stretch him, man, basically, because he will go forward at the rate of knots, and you, you will be our outlet every single time." And I'm sat there and I'm thinking, surely to God, you're going to tr- put him from the left to the right now and you know have a go at it. And I just thought, with the talent, with the PSG, have got uh, attacking-wise, and uh, Bayern Munich manager even come out and he said to himself, you know, we do, we do give chances away to opposition. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, if if he were a bit braver and a bit bolder, Paris, it could have been in a different game. I'm not saying he would have won it, but I, I just think it might have been a different game.
0: See, it's weird because like, obviously you consume all the content and listen to all the opinions after the game and there's a couple of things that kind of stood out for me and, and in these games, you know, they're, they're often decided by fine margins and you look at some of the chances and I was the same as you actually to hold my hands up. As the, the game drew closer, I felt that with Bayern's high line, it was the same as when Liverpool first started to play it. That, you know, they, they always offered you yeah. just a glimmer of hope and it's very, you know, there's fine lines, it's high risk, high reward but with PSG, And their pace, I just thought, oh, there's there's something in this. And as the game sort of developed, they created the chances. Yeah. But they didn't take them. And you look at, you know, in these games, you look for your big players in the big moments that deliver. And when it really matters, Neymar and Mbappé had chances, particularly Mbappé. Because yeah. uh, at, least, at least Neymar, you know, he, he, he got his on target, I suppose. The keeper made a good save. Mbappé fluffed his lines completely and rolled it straight down the middle. Yeah. I mean, for, for Herrera, you know, as a midfielder, it was a brilliant sort of dummy pass, pulled it back. You know, th- this is where you expect, you know, the likes of your Messis and your Ronaldo's and these world-class players, you know, that Neymar and Mbappé are often spoken about in the same breath as, you know, they deliver. Yeah. Do you think that Neymar and Bappi are in that kind of elite group of players, or do you think that this game shows that they've got a little way to go?
1: I think they're in the, it's difficult because I don't think anybody, and I'm not too sure anybody ever will get to the bracket where, where Messi and Ronaldo are in, and they've drove each other to to levels what I personally don't fear will ever be reached by any other football player again. I mean, you look at the, what they've done, what they've won, the, the the stats. I just don't think that anybody can get to them level. But Mbappé...
0: Um, yeah, it, actually, when you think about it, mate, remember when, like, 30 goals a season used to be unbelievable?
1: Well, I remember I remember when I was playing, and if someone got 20 goals a season, they were like, they, they were an absolute top, top draw striker. 20 goals yeah. a season, and I was like... If Manny, Manny gets... Uh, sorry, Salah gets 20 goals a season, and we're like, has been poor. <laughs> Underwhelmed, you know I mean? yeah. Yeah, you're kind of like... Yeah. But I just think they've set the bar so high that it's a ridiculous level and I don't think you can be compared to it. For me, I've never been a fan of Neymar. I think I've spoken about him on the podcast before. He's, he has got freakishly good talent, freakishly good player. He's a show pony and he's not someone... If someone said to me, pick your world's best... Even your world's best 18, I wouldn't have him anywhere near it. It's just not for me as a player. He-
0: yeah, he just he seems he's he's one of them. And looked, you know, the top strikers, the, the top attackers in the world have got to be selfish. You want you you want your attackers to be selfish, but there's just something about him, his attitude. I mean, I tweeted about it profusely in the build up to the game. Walking in with a ghetto blaster. Mm. Like, did you see the state of that? I mean, maybe I'm just old school, but I just be like, what is this? Do you think like Jurgen Klopp, you look at that or, you know, at Sir Alex Ferguson, um, you know, you think of the top managers in the world. They would not stand for any of that nonsense. If that, And as a, t- as a teammate, if one of my teammates tried to walk in off the bus with a ghetto blaster like that, I wouldn't let him off the bus.
1: Exactly, exactly, Paul. And this is the thing with me with Neymar. He's been at PSG four or five years or whatever it is maybe four years I think now. Now I don't really consider PSG as a top top side. I know they're financially up there, but you know can blow everyone out the water. But it's not the strongest league in the world, is it? And you go back two years ago before all of this, and the money was there. I, I, no top top side has ever actually gone to try and get him again. There's been whispers of Barcelona, but it's never it's never actually happened. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I just think that the top, top sides with the top managers of the elite of the elite, look at them and just think there's too much baggage for me to justify paying that. And for me, you're playing, you've, you've got to leave them, you can kind of playing it with 10 men, you're planning and you've got to change your whole side and your whole structure of your team to be a man down.
0: Yeah, he's kind of like a maverick. It's one of them. Yeah. It's you know, he he shows up when he wants to show up. He's kind of like a flat track bully. Yeah. You know, he can yeah. he can do these unbelievable things when you know when the games are easy, but when it's up against him, you know. And as I said, you know, this is for for me what separates the true the true world class. Uh, you know, you look at the the best strikers over the years. Um, you know, you look at your Thierry Henrys, you look at your your Alan Shearer's, um, You know, any pick any of the the, the Agüero fine you know fine lines big moments the ultimate moments he, they all deliver whereas you know the the one trophy that that PSG and it's the same we we had this conversation while you're away about Pep Guardiola you know PSG's aim has been to spend all this money on winning the Champions League it's all well and good scoring all your goals in a, in a in a domestic league that isn't of the highest standard yeah. but when it really matters and that's you know the knockout stages of the Champions League they they just they haven't delivered um, and and for me I, I I think I was delighted to see Bayern Munich win. Don't get me wrong. I mean I like I, I like a lot of their players. I like the way they play the game. They're brave. Um, they they're, they're classy. They, the way they go about their business. And there's one player that I want to talk about. And we're talking about true world class. And and we nearly started our debate today. What? So I'm genuine, genuinely interested to hear your opinion because I stopped us at the time. Is Thiago now? the you know for again you know as as massive liverpool fans anybody anybody that gets linked to a player of this caliber is is going to be excited um what do you make of his potential s- signing uh for liverpool and the next stage of the question will be do you think that we really need him i'm not going to say anything else more than that i'm just going to react off what you say
1: <laughs> now was as a player, he's, he, you know, he, he's unbelievable. I mean, let's just get that right. The, the, the fellas, it, he just dictates games and he just, the problem what he has, and I think, you know, it, unless you really study the game, and I'm not saying we study the game and know more than anyone, but the problem he has is when you watch him, he just makes everything so, so easy and simple. You're kind of like, you notice him, but you don't notice him. But mm-hmm. then when you just study him and watch him, absolutely everything by Munich do go through him. Yeah. You know, even like if if you're in trouble, I mean I've spoke, we've spoken on a podcast, and I'm not comparing them by the way, but what when I played with Scott Gemmell, when you were in the shit there's a left back with me and yelling, like, you just used to hear his little squeaky voice, yeah, and you go pop and you're like, Oh, thank God for that. You know, yeah. he, always an option, always, always available. Always there, and then he'd recycle it, he'd get it, and he'd set the play. I mean, he's got the the ability to set the attacks up, he screens the back four superbly is absolutely everything what every team would want is the but we don't need them
0: (laughs) I see now this is this is this is interesting okay so uh, you're gonna have to elaborate in what way uh, okay I'll play devil's advocate (laughs) when when genuine world-class players become available and they want to come and join your club and play for your manager do you not always find a way
1: Yes, you do. Um, it's kind of like, I'm arguing with myself now in my, <laughs> my head. It's one of them where, yes, you know, two weeks ago, I was like, if we get him, though, then that's unbelievable. But then when I'm looking at him and thinking, right, his best position now is 29. I don't think he's got that Swashbuckling style where he can, you know, play a little bit higher. That's my opinion. I think where he plays for Bayern Munich is suited to him so much now at 29. But then I look at Liverpool and I look what Fabinho gives us. And I'm like, do you take Fabinho out the team to put him in and you lose actually what Fabinho gives us with his, you know, his long range and, you know, powerful presence and as tackles and as breaking up a play and I just see Fabinho as developing more and more, he's 24 is he maybe, I don't know, he's only young, I only see Fabinho, I think Fabinho is one of the best in the world at his position now is he world class? Not quite yet, no, could he potentially be working under Klopp in two years? Yes, I think he could now that's it's one of them and now I'm sitting here thinking But is Thiago? Can Thiago and Fabinho play in the same team? For me, no
0: so 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 i i agree with you to to so, some extent and um, and this is why I, w- I wanted to get into it on the podcast because so I, I i was thinking about it today and if liverpool are to play the system that they play now um which is to have fabinho as the six um we've spoke at length about what he brings to to the liverpool team i am the same as you i i think he's elite at what he does uh power reading of the game good range of passing, um, snuffs out danger before it even materialises. I just think he's an absolute monster. What what I would say is I think Thiago is world-class at dictating games. Yep. And I don't think anybody in Liverpool's midfield, and the three being Fabinho, Henderson and Ginny Wijnaldum, I don't think any of them dictate games. I think that Liverpool, creatively from central areas, we're not we're not it's not it's not our strength, I would say. What we are is we're industrious, we're powerful, we're aggressive, we work hard, and we leave the creativity up to the to the flanks, and then you 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 wonder you're wonderful front three. Now, the reason why I would wanna buy Thiago at all costs, even if it upset the Apple cart slightly, is I think Liverpool are brilliant but a little predictable to play against. And by that I mean if you shut off the supply to the wing from the wingers or the wide areas, or one of them doesn't play, for example, we become a little bit one dimensional. Whereas if Tiago plays, he can create, and you've seen it last night with Bayern's first goal. If his pass doesn't start that move, they don't score the goal. Yeah, yeah. I think he he played it through the lines. He beat one man. They're on the half turn and they're away. Liverpool haven't had something from deep areas like that. Like, can you imagine a Mane, a Salah, and Firmino, or particularly Firmino who's dropping to receive the ball? Thiago is finding him nine, ten times out of ten. Yeah, um, and he's getting us turned now. For, for that reason alone, I'd want to buy him. But what I think and where I agree with you is. Shape wise, how does he fit into the team? I as as a Liverpool team, I don't. You don't need to play two sixes. I don't, there's some games where we don't even need us to play one six. We've got that much of the ball. Yeah. So okay, you, you you play for Bino because he's been immense and he doesn't deserve to move. So you play for Bino. So then okay, you'll say arguably it would be let's say Henderson and Tiago. I agree with you. I don't think Tiago has the legs to play in a more advanced role. So you're totally disrupting something that has been a well-oiled machine. And then does it become an either-or? So then some games when we need more creativity from midfield, do we play Thiago instead of uh, Fabino? Where does the captain fit into this? Does this mean that Ginny Wijnaldum now has to step out? I I agree, there's a lot of moving parts. I just think when a player of this quality and for the cost, I, I think we could probably get him for 24, 25 million. With some type of add-ons included, I just think you've surely you've got to do it now. Yeah, listen, (laughs) and we're pitching to each other here. To be honest,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would be absolutely over the moon and delighted if we got him because he's a world-class player. And any time a world-class player comes up, I want Liverpool to be in for him. But it's still that nagging thing at the back of my mind, and. I still haven't given up hope on Naby Keita yet. I do think there's a huge season. and I, I know he's a different type of midfielder. I get that. But I just think, I mean, you've just touched on it there, Jamie, the way Liverpool play. I don't think anyone in in the world football at the minute can do the job of Fabinho does for us screening that back four. He allows Trent, he allows Robo to go because... The centre-halves, you know, obviously they allow, but they also know that they've got the screener Fabinho there who's extremely powerful, extremely athletic, can cover the ground, can recycle a ball and turn it over really quickly. And I just think if we do lose that to fit in a Thiago, I, I kind of, I don't worry for that. I just kind of feel... Will we be the same team? Because we are a well-oiled, you know, powerful, freakishly powerful athletic team.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you on the Nabi Keita thing. I I'm, I'm the same. I, I if you'd have said to me now, perfect balance, I'd be saying, and don't get me wrong, I love Gin, Ginny Wijnaldum. Yeah. I absolutely love him. I do, and I always say, if you're to ever show a young kid how to use your body to protect the ball yeah. and retain the ball. I don't think there's many better in the Premier League at Ginny Wijnaldum at keeping the ball in in any circumstance. That said, if you're to say to me, if I were to pick my Liverpool team for next season, the hopes and, and the nice balance and, and talent, I would be picking Fabinho, Jordan Henderson and Naby Keita as the as the creator of the three. Now, That doesn't mean that I... Hang on,
1: hang on. (laughs) So you don't want Thiago? (laughs) Uh,
0: So this is if we don't sign Thiago. (laughs) That that creates a new headache entirely. Uh, See, I I think it's one of them. If you look at the the balance, I think that Keita uh, Keita will have Henderson and Fabino do his dirty work. Henderson and Fabino know how to cover for both fullbacks. Um, I I just think that that's the structure. I, I think if Thiago comes in, I'm not convincing myself out of this because he's one of my favorite, he's one of my favourite midfielders in world football. I just think what it would mean is an evolution of our system and our shape. And when he does play, is it a case of saying, well, okay, we're now looking to not play a creative midfielder at the top of the uh, of the midfield, we're going to create from deeper positions. And that's where Thiago comes in. Um He's maybe a starting position is deep. He plays with Fabinho, but it's very much with the mindset of go and create from this position. Fabinho will still sit in and, and do his bits. And then Henderson will be his industrial self, basically tying up all the, the, the knots of everybody else. Maybe, I... I it's, 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 a a sh- it's a champagne problem to have <laughs> it's a great problem.
1: but just on, on it again I mean we're talking about you know Thiago he, he can he, I mean he's unbelievable at getting in passes you know threading the eye of a needle you know breaking the lines I think Nabi has got that I think Nabi Keita plays in a horrible position and he picks out space and plays in between the lines what's almost impossible for the opposition to pick up so then that brings another question so if he's doing that do we actually need this and then disrupt? I mean let's Let's not forget, before last night, we owed nearly every trophy in world football. Mm. You know, we had the Premier League, we had the World, we had the European Cup. (laughs) We were the champions of of everything. And I just think this world-class player, we will have to adapt a hell of a lot to get him in and at his best, which obviously that's what you're bringing him in. But if you're bringing him in to be... to put him in the team, so you can get the best out of him. Is that going to jeopardize the best Liverpool?
0: I know this is, and this is the thing. I was having a debate with. Uh, I'm in a WhatsApp group with um, the LSE day trippers, and, and we were having this debate today. I think, I think it's been alluded to as well that Klopp is very much about the harmony of the group. Yeah, and he has trusted lieutenants that have got his, got him and his Liverpool to a point. For him. In a way, to bring in somebody of this calibre, what does that say to your Ginny Wijnaldums, your Hendersons, uh, your Fabinos, who, you know, for, for in his system? Now, this isn't, you know, we're not ripping up trees from an offensive point of view. You know, it, that's not what they're there to do. But by instruction... They have done everything and more that he asked. So how then, when you've built up this relationship, you know what it's like, you've been in dressing rooms. If you've done everything a manager has asked, you've got an unbelievable rapport with a manager. You've won everything, all the stuff that was put in front of you. And then all of a sudden he he comes in. What would that do to the harmony of the dressing room as a player?
1: Well, I think it'd have a bit of an effect, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, players very do kind of look after themselves. It's always been like that. It always will be, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if if you signed, if someone signed the left back, I, I was like, Fuck mate. You know, you were you you, you were worried. And I just I worried, didn't, I, did
0: you play better or worried that uh, that you turned against the manager?
1: I was not turned against, you just be kind well, yeah, you'd be thinking, especially if I was it, if I'm Henderson Fabinho, um Nabi and Ginny now, and you're looking at them and you'd be thinking, oh, no, we've just absolutely swept the board of everything. And you know, now they're bringing someone else. But look, it's you're at Liverpool. You're at the biggest club in world football, in my opinion. And it's going to happen. Now we've been, we've give we give so many points about not signing, but would I sign him? I sign him tomorrow.
0: Oh, so that was it. Before we moved on to the next topic, that was going to be after after our hearty debate. Yeah. If I said to you now, do you sign him or not? You
1: do sign him. I'd sign him tomorrow. we the have drop of a hat. I just did not know where he plays, or you know, I know where he plays. I just don't know how how it sets in, but.
0: That's why we're not on the big books, mate, and that's why I'm ge- I'm genuinely like interested to see how Klopp makes it work because I do think it's one of them he has to come in because like you said there he he plays the game like Federer plays tennis yeah he like he just glides across the pitch and I he's like, never
1: panicked. Um, I think, um and- and- Jeannie leaves as well, by the way.
0: So, so there's yeah, there's a, there's a couple of stories that are broke today. It's, it, Barcelona uh, being one of them, and, and there's there's two kind of Liverpool links, if you will, to the stories coming out of Barcelona. So, Kuman's obviously coming, and he wants to to make his mark and. By the way, he must have a good agent, Ronald Koeman. He's got some jobs in.
1: I know, but to be fair, he has transformed that Dutch team. You now, to be fair, yeah, he's done, well. he's, do, he's
0: done well. He's done well, and I think the link there is is obviously Ginny Wijnaldum, who you know has been pivotal in the success of that Dutch team. He
1: scored, um, obviously, he's never stopped scoring for the Dutch team. Yeah,
0: so they play him in the more advanced role, yeah, which yeah. is you know what he'd been used to doing at Newcastle when he signed yeah. for Liverpool, and then Klopp, as he has a tendency to do, he recreates players in in the the image that he needs. But from from your side, you know, with the rumours now of of him potentially being one of Kuman's first sign, and do you think that Ginny will, uh, Ginny Ronaldo would leave Liverpool?
1: I just think it makes sense for them. I mean, look at. I'm not not to undervalue him because I do think he's a very, very good player and you, you know you, you know what Klopp thinks of him because in all of the big games he genuinely plays um, He's he's been top draw but he's coming to an age now and he's got one year left on his contract and if someone actually said to you you can have Ginny Ronaldo or Thiago I think you're going to go with Thiago every time So so do you
0: think then cause, and again you, you'll have been in this position so you're know you're 20, 29 uh, years of age is it fair to say you've probably got one big contract left in you at yeah, that age?
1: Absolutely not.
0: So, so that that last contract, you know, you're you're a player, as you said there, players are selfish and rightly so. You know, clubs can, you know, they'll they'll treat you well while they need you and then they can toss you aside. Sure. You know, so you've got to look after yourself. Ginny Wijnaldum's probably looking at this thinking, I know of the three, I'm the dispensable one. Yeah. So if I've got an opportunity to go to another club, they give me a very, uh, you know, a long contract. A three, he's rumours are he's looking for a three year deal. Liverpool potentially offering him two. Yeah, you know, you, you can't really blame the player. Have you, you know, when you got to that stage of your career, where were you when you were 29? Were
1: you Leicester then, or were you still at Forest? No, I was retired at 29. <laughs> was it what Were you retired that early? Yeah, I mean, these are gone by then, but no, yeah, what, what you're doing, what, I didn't
0: realize it was that early.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had to be at 29, but my knees were shot to pieces no but I think it was
0: Leicester that you came back because I remember you were telling me when you came back from the cruciate injury you were at Leicester I'm and you kind of had that and it was, was a forest.
1: yeah it was a Forest and then I played two games and then Leicester signed me but I was never the same player
0: yeah and then at 29 then that was Geez, I didn't know it was that early mate that's tough
1: yeah. one yeah very early
0: so you know, from from that perspective, you know, you look at, at Ginny Wijnaldum. You know, you, again, you know, selfish selfish reasons. You know, your career can can take a a wild turn, particularly at that age. Maybe when the powers of recovery aren't quite as as what they were when you're younger. He's got to look after himself. You know, you can't really blame him if he does want to look elsewhere.
1: Well, you look at Ginny Wijnaldum now. As you say, he's 29. He's got one year left on his contract. I don't think Liverpool will give him more than a two year deal. I think he'll get a four year deal. At, uh, Barcelona, so he'll be secure in his own future, which you know, rightly so, he should be. He's going to from one huge club to one, you know, another huge club. You know, the bit Barcelona we're talking about here. Uh, he's going there under a manager who trusts and believes in him and will play him. And you know, from a financial point of view for the lad, I, I just think it, every, everything makes perfect sense for him. So, there's,
0: there's another uh, rumour that's coming out today that Luis Suarez. Yeah. is now no longer part of Ronald Koeman's plans. I mean, first of all, I, I think you were a huge fan like myself yeah. of, of Luis Suarez. Would you, what, where would you see his career going now? And would you be interested to to bring him back potentially to to a Liverpool?
1: I'd say I'd bring him back to Liverpool at the drop of half. But I don't think it'll happen. Um, you know, I think they're like, so they, we've got the Minamina, you know, we, we ain't seen the best of yet. Um I just don't... He's not going to come to Liverpool to sit in the benches. He? He's not going to get in our front three for the way we play. And he's not going to come to sit on the bench. I'd love him back at Liverpool. I'd get shut to and bring him in if, if, that, if that was the perfect scenario. But it's not going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if he went back over to maybe an Ajax or somewhere. There certainly would be a shortage of takers.
0: Yeah, you see, the thing with Suarez, and, and you touched on it there again, it, it, it's the group harmony thing. Yeah. Mm he's still a winner. He's still good enough to go somewhere and be the main man yeah. and rightly so. Look, he hasn't been the same since his injury. He's, he, you know, he's he's certainly not, as, uh, I would say, as industrious. He's still as fiery, don't get me wrong, but he's, his, his movement isn't quite what it was. But, like you said there, and Ajax, he goes back, he's the main man and Luis Suarez should still be the main man at whatever club he plays for. Yeah. I think Liverpool have moved on um, I, I, and it was the same with Coutinho, you know, they've moved on and, um, I think he'll always get linked to Liverpool just because of the sheer brilliance that he gave us for a couple of years. He was absolutely spellbound. But I just think the club has has evolved. And like you said there, there's youngsters coming through. There's Minamino. I would see it as a backwards step that could potentially disrupt the group rather than potentially, you know, being the solution to a problem.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. He's, he's, he's certainly one of them where, yeah, look, every Liverpool fan loved him. He was just a joy to watch and that, as a football fan, to be honest with you, when he was at his pomp with us. Um, but you wouldn't take him back, would you, really?
0: No, i i i think you know one one thing that i've kind of noticed now is you know, this is we're in the the silly season where all the the transfer stories are, are rearing in the head and a lot of clubs are, are looking to do business There's rumors of city spending a lot of money um they've already brought in Nathan Aké um there's rumors now off the back of last night's game that Chelsea have got a two-year deal in place with Thiago Silva um you know they've Chelsea on the surface they've they've done some serious business so that Silva potentially now looks a done deal that's on top of Werner that's already come in. uh um, Havertz is, is also rumoured now to, I think, even be the most expensively paid player in the Premier League yeah. um, if the, the rumours of his deal going to Chelsea are true. And then Chilwell is the the final piece of the, pick, the puzzle. You know, with, it, it seems like they're playing uh, championship manager on, on cheap mode at the moment, Chelsea. Roman's decided to to get his money out. Do you think that they could cause teams problems with the players they're looking to bring in?
1: They're going to cause teams problems defensively, but they're still woeful at the back, in my opinion. I mean, you know, and I know they're bringing Thiago Silva in, but he's 35 years of age. It's not, the Premier League is not the place where you want to come in and down tools and have a little uh, a two-year contract as retirement. It's far from it. You know, go to uh, China or somewhere like that. But you know, you're coming to the it's, it's, Thiago Silva's in for a shock. I think I'm being brutally honest with you. He's been an absolute unbelievable player. He's been one of the top centre halves. He's 35. What do
0: you think makes the Premier League so different, Sal? You know, because a lot of players do say that, you know, they you know, they come in from the likes of your France or Spain. And, you know, there's there's quality teams in Spain, but they come to the Premier League and it's you know, it's is it the intensity, is it the the physicality, is it is it you know, the referees let more go in the Premier League than they do abroad? What do you think causes, you know, the the foreign foreign lads that come in such a, a shock when they when they come
1: in? I just think it's the overall package of the actual league, yeah Jamie. It's like The referees, you know, are more lenient. I mean, you know, you see the French game, it's so slow. And then when you get to the final third, that's when you start, you know, up in the tempo. The Premier League, as soon as you get the ball from the keeper, you've got, you know, he'll have four or five players swarming him to get the ball off him and he will not be used to that. I just think it's the physicality, it's the, the way the game's played, it's the tempo the game's played, it's the atmosphere in the stadiums. You know, you go to Crystal Palace away and you're you know, you're like, I know what's going on here. Yeah,
0: you didn't you even know. know who they were beforehand, no, but you do now after. <laughs> you know after.
1: The fans there are unreal, you know, they're right at you and after you and I just think at thirty five, I just I'm not too sure that that. I don't think it's a good sign for Chelsea. And I don't think it's a good move for the but listen, he's coming you probably becoming coming and getting two hundred grand a week. It's a great deal for him. But it's certainly not so the Premier League's not somewhere where I'd want to go and have a two year retirement. Yeah, uh,
0: so this is the thing when I look at these and, and you know you look at the likes of Chelsea. I, I mean, I think they've they've signed some fantastic yep. attacking players. Um, I still think that their problems do exist. I think they need a goalkeeper, and I think they they need two centre backs actually. Um, and then you look at the likes of of United. Uh, I think that they they need to to do some work. I think potentially a new keeper. It looks like Henderson could be coming back. Um, when you look at United. You know, I think centre-back is still a problem. And one thing that's kind of come into the news at the moment um, is Harry Maguire. In, in terms of obviously what's happened, it looks like he's he's been charged for allegedly hitting a policeman and, and fighting a rival fan who allegedly, I have to keep saying that, attacked his, his sister. Now, what do you what do you make of, of all of that? Do you think that he's he's putting himself in a vulnerable position by going to the type of places that have drunken football fans there. Do you think he should be laying low? It's one
1: of... It's stuff it's Jamie. You, you wouldn't put yourself in that position, would you? Um, you know, the, Mikos is now becoming the kind of a beater. And, mm. You know, it's everyone knows that. So, as a high-profile player like he is, the captain of Man United and England international, why are you going on the piss to places like Mikos where you know there's going to be football rivalries, you know there's going to be people there drinking and God knows whatever. So, why Why put yourself in them positions? You know, of all the places throughout the world, you can go, you know, there's better places to go. That's my opinion. And now...
0: How, how hard is it not to react to that stuff though? Al? And I know I agree with you. Like I agree with you. I think especially in the position of captain and with everything going on with COVID, go and, go and rent out a villa. Go and rent out a villa and go for meals and have parties with your family and your friends and whatever in a secluded villa and stay away from the masses. That's- but... That said, he's a young lad. You know, he's he's allowed to go and enjoy himself. He's, you know, I, I, you know, we we've made plenty of mistakes as 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 older older fellas when we were that age. You know, looking back, is he not just being a young lad that's on good morning and he just wants to go and enjoy himself? And with that in mind, how hard is it not to react when stuff like that is going on?
1: Look, it's difficult if someone says something to your family, you know, I'd be the first to defend them and that, but you've just got to take yourself away from them situations. You've just... I mean, what I don't understand is why you are going to a party island like Migos with your missus, your sister, your brother? You know, if you're going away with your family like that, go to Dubai and take them to a lovely hotel, go and get a villa in Spain or Portugal and just have a nice relaxing. You can drink what you were going. You've got enough money to go and rent a villa, a monster villa with its own private land, private pool, whatever. Go and do what you want to do there. If you want to get pissed in the villa all day, go and get pissed in the villa. But don't put yourself in situations in a party island. And that's what Mikos is now. It's not like a nice it's a beautiful place, but it's it's no longer that beautiful place where you can go and like, you know, have a nice bite to eat and have a quiet drink down by the port. No, it's not like that now. It's become a party island, it's a bit of a problem for them. So why See, I, situation?
0: Yeah, I, I think the thing now is you know, the, the, the world is changing, you know, it's not He's always going to be the sense of attention over there, and I think football is a short career, as you know, and yourself with injury has, has proven. You know, you've got to look after yourself while you have the opportunity. There's plenty of time to go and enjoy the fruits of your labor and do whatever the hell you want once the career's over. As, especially off the back of would you say a difficult season for Harry Maguire, or would you think that he's done he's done well and, and justified the fear of United this season?
1: He's had a terrible season? I don't think he's justified anything. I'd really think he's had the poor
0: season. And this is what see. This is the thing.
1: Uh,
0: you know, it depends. It depends who you listen to. But United fans will, will always defend their their boy. I, I I thought Maguire was a good signing. I thought he was pricey, but everyone is these days. Um, at Leicester, I thought he was excellent. I have to say, I thought he was composed on the ball. He stepped out with it. He's. I I think he he kind of suffers from a bit of the Lovren's in that. I actually think he's better alongside a genuine leader. And I don't think that Harry Maguire is actually a genuine leader. I think he's better as... It doesn't have to be the dominant centre-back. I think he's trying to prove to people that he's a certain type of player, just like Lovren does. I just think, off the back of what was a challenging season... This couldn't have come at a, a worse time for him, and with everything that's happened, would you say would you expect him to keep the captaincy, or do you think that this could be something that United could look at as a as a problem?
1: No, I, I mean, look, he doesn't come across as an idiot. He comes across as a decent lad, you know. And it's not as if he was out there with a load of lads acting an arsehole. He is actually out there with his family. And if someone done something to my sister, I'd be jumping up and, you know, I'd be causing murder. So I don't think it's one of them where I don't think we can overreact like this and say, like, he should be losing this. No, I don't. He seems a, de- a decent lad, a genuine lad. You know, he's had an average season, but that, shouldn't, that does not give any idiot the right to start, you know, having a pop at him and poking his sister and all of that. Just because he's had a poor season, he's a Man United player. That doesn't give anyone the right to start slagging these players off. Far from it.
0: So I was going to say to you, uh, you know, when when you've been out and about, and again, it was, it was probably a different time. Have you ever had anything similar happen to yourself on nights out? You know, whether it's when you were at Forest and you bumped into some Derby fans or any anything where, you know, people have been trying to goad you into some type of reaction?
1: No, and this is where I think that he's kind of left himself up because... You know, even back then, I knew if, if we got beat at home, you don't go out. You stay in. If you want a couple of beers, have a couple of beers at home with your family. My mum and dad and me, you know my uncles and all that used to come down and watch me. Now, we got beat at home. We're not going out. We'll get a takeaway and we'll have a few beers in the house. That's it. That's all I'll do.
0: Lick your wounds.
1: That's it. Lick your wounds. Now, listen, if you, when we won, I was out. I was in... Right, I was out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having a beer. We've just won. Brilliant. But... I just don't think I just don't think he's thought it through properly. To be brutally honest with
0: you, do you do you think uh, this is something I was listening to today? And you look at these the, the footballers these days. Do you think there's enough strong mentors around? You know what I mean. You'd like we've spoke on podcasts before. You know when you went into Forest, your your mentor to to a large degree was Stuart Pierce. You know he 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 guided you. He set the standards. You know he he, he pulled you aside and, and would talk to you. Do you think there's enough, you know, you look at... Harry Maguire's a young lad. As you said, he's, he seems to be a type of lad that's got his head screwed on. And I'm the same as you. If anyone takes a a, a funny look at my family, never mind saying something, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be impressed. Do you think there's enough being done to protect young players from making the type of decisions that have been made there and just informing them to say look this is this is not the best route for you to go down don't put yourself in that situation or do these young players now have too much money too much power that they can pretty much write their own rule book Well, they get
1: too it's a it's a long bearing issue and I've all, I think we've we've had this in our pockets before and I'm a great believer that you have to weigh in what you're getting now you've got players i mean I know for a fact that there's young kids at Man City, 17, who are on 30, 40 grand a week. You know, 17, 18 years of age, and they'll never kick a ball for Man City.
0: So, what like, what does that do for the mental? Like, do, you know, do, as you said there, uh, you get in life what you put in. You know, if you're not achieving, because they haven't achieved the goal.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the, this is the issue. And, you know, when I was coming through with Tramia, you know, I was kind of like the player. I was the player who was coming through. Everyone knew about me. I wouldn't even have a mobile phone. I was too scared to have a mobile phone.
0: Is that where the tech the phobia of tech started out?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't get on a an away trip at seventeen years of age playing for the first team on on very good money at that time as well. But there's no way that I would have got myself a mobile phone. I'd have got absolutely annihilated by Kenny Hines, Jeb Brannan, John McGreal, uh, John Aldridge. You wouldn't have, no chance. now they had mobile phones. If I got on the bus with a mobile phone, they would absolutely ridicule me, and it, it, I'd be like, no chance! of my getting a mobile phone?"
0: See, so this this comes back to the the hierarchy of the dressing rooms, which we we've spoke about at length, and I'm passionate about because I think a self policing dressing room cuts out ninety percent of the shite from a football club. Oh, and we've said we've said it before, and you hear a lot of a lot of people, very well respected people in in the game, say, "You're only as good as your senior pros," yeah. and. In, in previous times, in past times, senior pros, I would say, would would walk the fine line between trying to motivate and potentially bully. I don't know if you want to use the word, but or character build, whatever you, w- whichever way you want to say it. There's none of that now. Nope. You can't do that now. You're not allowed to say that anything to these players now. If if a young player comes on with a mobile phone and one of the other players takes a pop at him, it all hell'll break loose. Yep. But it's it. I just think, I think we've lost something because of that. Yeah, and young players are going to find it harder not to find themselves in the pitfalls of modern fame because you're just thrown to the wolves. You're given all this money as a youngster, and you can do whatever the hell you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I look at some of the stuff. I mean, you see the way they like the so Madison and all of them addressed when they're on holiday. I mean. If they were in our changing room, they're going to be cut up day in, day out. I'm telling you, they're going to be cut up day in, day out until they come in and they're playing a pair of shorts and they're playing t shirt And that's how it should be. You know, you've got to know your place as a young You've got to earn your place. When I went to Forest, I was a bit of a head case, me and Andy Johnson. But we, we knew where we were. We knew where we stood because you had Colin Cooper, the captain. And he would take no shit of us. He'd put us in our place. You'd have Jeff Thomas. You'd have Kev Campbell. You know, all of these players were there. And me and Jono. But we knew and known certain terms when we'd done enough. And he'd be like, you know, that's enough now. And then we'd, we'd go in our shell and we'd be quiet. And then
0: so when, what? Because what, you told me some of the stories that, that you and Andy Johnson used to get up. To. What was the what? What was the line in the sand? Al, because there didn't seem that many to be fair based on some of the stories you told us.
1: That was about three years later when I got a bit older myself, then twenty four, and I was listening to no one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but what, uh, just the way you the way you acted in that was was dictated by your senior players. Now I look at Manchester United. Now Manchester United for me have got no leaders in that dressing room. None at all. Where you, you know you go, you look at Man City. Man City's had an effect where they lead and I absolutely idolise him to play. What a man he was was Vincent Company. You knew he yeah, was anyone in that dressing room would have got slapped back into place under him. You would not dare walk out of line while you while he's in the dressing room. And I think Man City's, I'm not saying Man City's declined, but slight, you know, slight poor couple of seasons if you like have come when because Vincent Company's no longer there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. He's one of my favourite non-Liverpool players. I think he's a, a, mount, a mountain of a man. And it's 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 one of those, you know, the, when the senior pro walks in the room, and it, I used to have it, again, it's non-league level. So look, I'm not trying to even remotely compare. But when I first signed for a uh, first non-league club, uh, Marine at the time, and I'd never been around this environment before in that I was playing with like, you know, they were, they were big, horrible men. Yeah. Big, horrible men. And I walked on the bus for the first away trip. And I went to sit on the middle of the bus and this uh, old fellow could come up to me and he went, what the fuck do you think you're doing? And I was like, <laughs> what? And he's like, where are you sitting? And I was like in the middle. He went, get to the front of the bus and don't ever do that again. And I was like, eh, all right, yeah, no problem. I'll go to the front of the bus. And and what it, what that meant was, I didn't realize it at the time was, once i got myself into the team i started to add value i started to become a valued part of the squad and one of the lads you i moved that. from the first seat to the middle to the back yeah. and it's only these type of things that you realize and that you know it seems so trivial and stupid now you know talking about it as a grown up but at the time i was like shit what yeah. do i have to do to get to the middle of the bus i want to prove these lads that they can rely on me that you know and it's it's all this kind of built in hierarchy within the dressing room which is so important to keeping young players' feet on the ground. You, you said there, a Manchester City player is getting, what, 30, 40 grand at the age of 17 when he's achieved nothing. That goes against everything a dressing room should.
1: Exactly. That's the, and that, that's the issue. That is the problem. Because you, you, you can't tell an 18-year-old kid who's earning an obscene amount of money, living in a couple of million pound house, you know, stupid amount of cars, watches, and... Then you're telling them that you don't dress like that. This is what we do here. This is how we do because they're just like, yeah, right, whatever. But I'm not, yeah, Don't
0: don't bring funny. attention to yourself when all they want to do now on Facebook and Instagram is bring attention to themselves and flash their cars.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what might be my, being my uh, gripe with Paul Pogba. All of, you know, Paul Pogba's got an unbelievable talent, but I've not seen it. I don't care what anyone says. I don't see what everyone's shouting about with Paul Popper. I don't do you know what? Al? You haven't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks,
0: and you've done well there, mate. You've lasted forty six minutes without mentioning Paul Pogba. But
1: he's, the, he's the example for me. He's the example of what everyone shouldn't be. He's an Instagram superstar. Well, sort your football side out first.
0: Yeah, go and go and do a don't go and do a season of Because deli- look again, you, you I think you you were talking about before about uh, the talent with Neymar, undoubted talent. Yeah, go and deliver. On for a sustained period. Give us a season. A season of contributing going forward, contributing going back, no nonsense in the news, just deliver. And then I think people will cut them some slack. You know, because you're delivering on the pitch first. That should always be the first thing that you deliver on.
1: Steven Gerrard dragged bang average Liverpool teams to success when they had absolutely no right to do it. Now with Paul as the supposed superstar, why is this Manchester United bang average team improved? Yes, why haven't they been challenging for the big stuff like Out dragged Liverpool to? Liverpool had no right to win some of the stuff what we won while he was the a player. But he dragged and demanded and his performance has took us to that level. Now Paul Pogba do not get me wrong, he's got the talent. Pogba's got the talents. Technically he's superb. He's a man he's a monster, he's a freak of an athlete. It's Got absolutely everything apart from desire, in my opinion. Um, but yeah. hard work and desire, talent, nothing.
0: So we're we're seven minutes in. We said we've got we we'd do forty five minutes, and I've got one more topic, right, that I want to touch on before we uh, before we finish, and that's the the charity shield at the weekend. And the angle that I want to come with this is, you know, with such a, a limited preseason, you know, albeit after a short break, you know, the the, the clubs have kind of given a, a lot of players a couple of weeks break to go and relax. How do you think it would impact performance in the opening weeks of the season for, for all of the different clubs, particularly you look at the likes of Man City and Man United who it feels like they only finished playing last week? It's
1: I do think Liverpool are gonna have a bit of an advantage because they can't kind of like the charity shield just give you a, a a test of before the season starts, if you like. Um uh, hmm. Am I right in saying or am I wrong here that Man City and Man United are finishing after starting the season? Late? Yeah, they've yeah they've been given an extra week. Yeah, see, so you. I don't know. I just think automatically, if you're Man City, you don't want Liverpool. You know, we're six points ahead of them already. You know, mentally, you don't really want that. Well, I wouldn't want that. I know that much.
0: See, so you say that, though. While you look at Liverpool's opening fixtures, there, you know, you've got the Charity Shield. Then Liverpool have got uh Leeds at home, first game, but they've got Chelsea, Arsenal, and Everton all within the first five games of the season. That's not an easy start for Liverpool.
1: I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I just don't see too many people troubling this Liverpool team. I don't, I think we're going to be better next, next season. I think we'll improve again.
0: Even without too many signings? I,
1: I, yeah, I just think they're going to improve. I just think there's room for improvement. The plays will improve. You know... <sighs> Gomez has another you know, got another season behind him. He'll improve, Trent will improve, Robbo will improve, the goalkeeper will improve. And then, you know, we've got Nabi Kater who's looking I sent you a picture the other day when he was first at Liverpool, so now he looks a different player. He looks a he looks a monster. I think he'll he'll, you know, His game on come on Uh, Minamino. I just think it was kind of like, it was a guest, you know, sign and kind of like, just get used to us next season's for you. I think we see a different player than him. I'm looking forward to seeing more of Curtis Jones and um, Harvey Elliott. I just think that we're going to improve again from last season, I genuinely do.
0: And um, um, where do you see? You know, we spoke about Chelsea at the at, at the start of the podcast in terms of the signings that they've made. Where do you see the the kind of rest of the pack? You know, do you think we didn't touch on it? It was a shame actually that you weren't here when when City went out of the Champions League I would have loved to have got your, your your thoughts on Pep but where do you see the the kind of rest of the chasing pack in terms of who the rumour to be bringing in and who do you think are the biggest challenges to Liverpool in the, in the following season?
1: I think Man City are obviously going to be the biggest challenges but you know, touching on Pep I mean, for me, if he was at another club he was at a Real Madrid, Barcelona he'd have been sacked he spent absolute obscene amounts of money and they won the Carabao Cup that's poor in my opinion. Um, all you got towards the end of last season was we're still fighting on four fronts. Well, you ended up at the Carabao Cup? Not very mm. good. So, obviously they're going to be challenging. You know, I don't think they're going to go away. I look at Man City signings, I'm blown away by them. Not really. There's not one where you go, oh, you know, that's that's a good signing. Nah. Nathan Aki got relegated with Bournemouth. Don't think he's an outstanding defender. I think he's more athletic than what they've got. But is he a huge upgrade on Otto Mendy? Not for me, no, not really.
0: Do you think that could mean a, a, a change of shape for them in that they might look to adapt three at the back?
1: Yeah, I do think that because, I mean, he's more of a ball player, but I don't think he's a great defender, Nathan Aki, I genuinely don't. I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Pep tried to transform him into the, what's-her-name role, Fernandino role. Really? Yeah, I do I do think he's got that in his locker. Because he's a nice footballer, but I don't think he's a great defender.
0: See, see all of these signings though are clouded by the inflated transfer fees. You know, if you'd have said you know, realistically, talking, and Nathan Aki 30 million, you know, you wouldn't it wouldn't get after as much attention. <clears throat> and as you said there, you'd probably say, yeah, it's not a bad signing for City. He can do multiple jobs. Can play left out. He can play centre back in a two. He can play left on uh, of a three. And as you said there, he can potentially play as a, a defensive midfielder. But the, the inflated transfer fees now for, for many clubs just distorts what's good value these days.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, you know, as I say, I mean, what did they pay for them? 40-odd million, was it? Yeah. You know, 40-odd million in the, the supposedly pandemic. But saying that, the market doesn't seem to have changed because Chelsea, you know, they're spending money like going out of fashion. But it, once again, in my opinion, in all the wrong areas.
0: So this, so this is the thing. I, I look at this the season ahead and you're always better to be in a position of strength in that, you know, there's no scattergun. Um, You know, I think a lot of power is in keeping a squad together that's been doing well, so Liverpool have have been able to do that. If if you ask me my honest opinion on this Liverpool squad, I think they've got one more season as, uh, uh, you know, in in its current form. I think you may potentially, after this year, lose a Mane or a Salah. Um, I think they may may look to move to the likes of a Madrid, partic- maybe Salah. Uh, you know, a Madrid or a Barcelona. Um, and I think the natural kind of attrition of a squad, you know, is. is I, I think Klopp before he leaves, he wants to build the next Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think he's got what three, four years left on his deal, is it? And, And, and I think that gives him time to put the building blocks in place for that, that period, hopefully of, of dominance. I think for me, when you look at the other teams, I think Pep looks, looks a fragile man. I think he's create fostered a, fostered a kind of mentality within the players that whether he was trying for the siege mentality, but it just comes across as a little bit, a little bit weak, a little, I don't know, a little bit moany, a little bit sensitive. Um, I actually think Manchester United with some with some decent signings could uh, could certainly bridge the gap. Um, you know, I think if they if they bring in a centre back, um, there's talk of Jadon Sancho. Look, I, I don't think it's necessarily what they need, but again, Thiago Silva syndrome, uh, Thiago uh, um, syndrome, he's a world class player. You bring him in, he's going to going to drive an impact. And Chelsea, as much as. They still have problems at the back. I think they could be like a City flat-track bully. They beat the rest, and they beat them comfortably. I think it will boil down to what do we do when, when all the big boys play against each other?
1: I just don't... My issue with Chelsea is, you look, you look at their best players last season, and Mason Mount had a great season for them. Now, are big signing, who they're talking about paying 90 million, plays the exact same position as them. Mm. you kind of like... Is that actually needed? Then you look at Tim O'Werner. Now, look, I do think Chelsea needed a centre forward, but Tammy Abrahams had a great season. I had a little dip, but he's only a young lad. He had a dip towards the end, but I think he still scored over 20 goals for them last season. Mm. So. You're looking at that now, and you're kind of thinking, what what effect is that going to have on these two young English talents? And they are two big talents. Them, I do like them too as a player. I think Tammy Abraham's so sort of unique. He's powerful. He's six foot six, very quick and direct. Uh, and the Mason Mount's just going to get better and better. Now, are they, are they going to see their game time? Because if you're paying 90, 90 million pound for a number ten, he's playing week in week out. So mm, where where, where does that fit? Where does Mason Mount fit in with this? And still, the thing for Chelsea, for me, I think they've got one of the worst goalkeepers in in the in the league. I don't think he's getting. Ever-
0: Statistically, he actually is one of the worst
1: goalkeepers in the league. Okay, well, I'll say he is the worst goalkeeper in the world. <laughs> you know, you look at the centre the centre backs, paying the uh, Rudig is so erratic it's untrue. And then you're looking at the lad who, what's his name? He was on loan at Everton. Oh, oh, Zuma. In my opinion, I think he's awful. He's absolutely awful. Alonso was not a left back. He, you know, he's a left wing back. Um, Aspillaga has been playing centre half because they're quite poor. I, I, and I'm just looking and thinking, you've kind of full of jigsaw pieces in your back five. What none of it, none of them fit right. Mm. And it's one of them where w- w- why are you spending hundreds of million on attack on threat? Because that wasn't your issue last season. You scored a lot of goals. Going. You know, it's like when Liverpool. Liverpool knew their issue. Jurgen Klopp, Klopp wanted that he wanted Van Dijk. He didn't get him, so we waited. He didn't go out and spend this money on anything else. He knew we needed the goalkeeper and we needed the centre half, and that completed Liverpool. And I think if Chelsea took a similar approach, I think it would be challenging. If the Chelsea went out and bought two top defenders and a top goalkeeper, I think they could could push uh, us a lot next season.
0: I I think the exact same for Man United. I yeah. genuinely yeah. do. You could you could see it with United. There's something there. I, I'm a huge fan of Mason Greenwood. I think he's brilliant. Wow. I think Mar- Marcus Rashford is exactly the same. I think he's a real talent. And Anthony Martial, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, you won't win leagues with with Anthony Martial." Hold on. If Manchester United sorted out their defense, yeah, that that front three is is more than capable of of winning them things.
1: The ve- that front three is dangerous. It's very very dangerous. They're all quick, powerful, and direct. Very quick, very powerful, and direct. Actually, so my my argument for my new fans, you know, would be: so why are you trying to spend a hundred million on Sancho? Listen, that, yeah. that kid could be he could be anything, Sancho. And I get why they're trying to get him, to maybe to avoid others getting him. But that's not what you need. You need to go and get. I think you need two full full-backs, and I think you need I think you need two centre halves, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, agree, and a keeper.
1: And, but yeah, they, but I do think the other kids are coming from Sheffield United. I do think he could uh, he could potentially be top draw. Mm. I do think they've also, I think they've got to keep there there who could potentially replace David de Gea. But for me, we spoke quickly about Harry Maguire before. Harry Maguire was unbelievable at Leicester because they played a very deep line. Man United play very high line, and I think it's caught him out.
0: Yeah, so, so that's where I think they spend the big bucks. They go and get a Pacey. Like you know, it sounds silly, but you know, the like of a cooler bar. Like you know, everyone talks about him. He is like he played against Liverpool. And I think Salah scored in the game, but it was the best battle I have seen between yeah. a, a centre-back and Salah. Because yeah. Salah, his pace meant nothing. Yeah. He couldn't get away from him. Yeah. So if you turn around and said, OK, Maguire, um, you know, your your recovery pace isn't, it isn't... It's like Joe Gomez at the moment. He does so much good work for Liverpool because he can get us out of trouble because he's rapid. Same with Van Dijk. You know, if Manchester United had... Pace at centre back. Um, I actually think they need a centre midfielder as well, uh, a, a proper dominant centre midfielder, um, or just somebody that wants to get on the ball and dictate. Yeah. Um. You know, if if they went and, and plugged those gaps, their front three is is more than capable. I I think you know it's it's right up there with with some of the best. That Mason Greenwood, yeah. like he reminds me of like a young Michael Owen when he come on the scene. In that he's just he's a special. deadly finisher. He's special. He's just. He, he like he it, there was a, the ch- the chances that he scored in the cup final, the Europa League final, that were ruled offside. He absolutely smashed them yeah. right into the corner. Okay. No questions asked. He's he's yeah. something special. In but again, it's this scattergun approach where it's let's just spend money for the sake of it, but rather than saying, look, where's the problem areas? Pacey centre back, go spend your ninety million on Koulibaly.
1: So, if I was Man United, I'd go, and, I'd go and break the bank for Koulibaly and I'd go and uh, Kante of Chelsea. And I think that that puts Man United in a bracket of, you know, they're going to challenge Liverpool.
0: I agree. 100%. I, I agree. Uh, that plugs so many of the gaps and they can basically say to the front three then, go do your thing. Exactly. We've got you.
1: Uh, you know, you've got Kante You can say, and then you can say to Pogba, we need more from you. You've got him to do all of the shitty work but you've got to produce now and put a bit of pressure on yeah. Pogba. And, um, you know, Fernandes then. I mean, I mean, can you imagine that from from five, if you like, of Fernandes, Pogba, Mason Greenwood, uh, Martial, and Rashford.
0: A, I think that's I think that's 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 a team. That's a team to, to absolutely challenge and as I said United United would would beat the rest and I think with that team with with a genuine you know a Koulibaly and a Kante for example I think you could even get away with not you know Wambasacko he's not great going forward but defensively even though he looks a bit mad technically you know he's, he he's okay I think potentially you know, I like the look I think we've had conversations about the young lad you you're not convinced by him um I think they probably need to strengthen there. But if, even if you just as a stopgap now, you know, prioritise it. You went and got a cooler ballet and a Kante. Manchester United have the platform, the solid foundation to yep. say, right, front five, go do your thing.
1: But that's the thing. Because, you know, the Sackers. I think he's terrible on the ball, but he's a very good defender. So you just say to him, just defend. Don't we need to bomb mm. the ball with we defend? We've got them five, you defend. We stay as a back four. Kante, you, you protect, you five, get on with it. Winners' game. And the rest of you go. Yeah, Willis games. We'll we'll keep a clean sheet.
0: Right. I, I want us to stop giving t- t- tips to Man United now because I don't want them to do well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and plus, at this stage, mate, we said what did we say? Forty-five minutes. So now we're now over an hour, right? Ah, so uh, with, <laughs> with, with with that note, um, th- uh, again, as always, mate, thank you for your time. I think, as I said at the start, lots of people have been messaging asking when you'd be back on. So, as always, mate, I could sit and talk to you all day about football. So, thank you very
1: much for coming give on. Give your love to my mum, your mum, <laughs> to my
0: mum. Yeah, the set to, I'll tell her the sign photo is in the is in the post. Um, but for, for everybody else that's listened. Um, as always, thank you very much. Welcome to our new American listeners. The the numbers that we had after last week's podcast were unbelievable. Uh, I think we had most of America listening at one point, which was which was good. Uh, special shout out to Christy, who, um, as I mentioned in a in a tweet today, is uh, is officially now moved um to to start his his new role in Kentucky Louisville so uh, all the best Christy he should be with us next week um he was due to be with us tonight but he, as i said he's genuinely on a plane so we'll forgive him this once but um yeah as always if if anybody listening has enjoyed the show please do let us know we love hearing your comments come in each week um leave us a review on iTunes as your comments and ratings really do help the podcast so if you can spare a few minutes please do leave us one it'll be a big help so out As always, my friend, it's been a pleasure. Looking forward to having you on next week.
1: Take it easy, pal. Cheers.
0: All the best. Everybody else have a great week and we'll chat to you again soon on the Boot Room Podcast. All the best.